Now here, a new chapter in Musa alayhi life now begins after this. Okay, up until now, we see that Musa alayhi he was raised by Fir'aun's family in the luxuries of those palaces. And at the same time, he was never fully accepted by them. Right? And now, he is in a village. He is working as a shepherd. Alright? Think about someone who's been raised in the palaces of Fir'aun. Alright? And now, he's working as a shepherd living in a village. Madian is like a village compared to Fir'aun cities. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put him into such, you could say, a form of poverty? Okay? And secondly, this hardship also. Why? Why so much hard work as a shepherd and such a, you could say, a sad job that looking after sheep? I mean, think about this is for a person who's been brought up in palaces and now he's working in a village as a shepherd. And that's not easy. Working as a shepherd is not easy. Why so much hard work? Because it was essential training for what was to come later in Musa alayhi life. It was essential. Did Musa alayhi choose this option himself? No, he did It just so happened. Did he deliberately kill the man? Was he planning on leaving, on running away? No, it just, the events just rolled out one after the other and he had no choice. He was as if thrown into the situation. So sometimes we are also put into a very difficult situation. We were enjoying the blessings of Allah, you know, the comforts of this life, everything. And now all of a sudden things are so difficult. And generally it's after marriage. Okay? That after marriage it's like a shock. That what happened? There I was, the only sister the only daughter, you know, the eldest or the youngest or the one in the middle because each person thinks they were special, right? I I was special because I was in the middle. I was special because I was the youngest. I was special because I was the oldest, whatever reason it is, right? I was special because my father always trusted me. I always had money. I always had such and such. And now after marriage, I'm like a maid. What's going on? Unpaid maid, (laughs) yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Alright? You wonder what's going on. Allah is putting you in some hardship because you need that hardship. It's going to train you for something that is to come later in life. So embrace it. Embrace it. You know, this friend of mine, I'm not shy to share the story because I'm sure she would like it that I shared her story. She was telling me, when she got married, she was forbidden from even speaking to her parents on the phone. Okay? And she was treated literally like a maid in the house. And she said that the last conversation she had with her father was, her father said, just think that all of us were in a plane, alright? And that plane crashed. So we're no longer there. And she said, okay dad. And she put the phone down. And for the next three years, she said, I had no idea what was going on in my parents' life. I had no idea. No connection whatsoever. I'm not saying that a person should accept this zulm and, you know, accept this abuse. But in some situations, you have no choice. What are you going to do? And she said, after those three years, it's as if the whole world changed. Literally. Now she rules over the family, by the way. Whatever she wants, whatever she decides, that is what happens. She's got 
total authority over the family. And I am a witness to that, by the way. I've seen how she wants to move here, and the husband says, Samir na wa'atharna. She says, let's go here and here and obey. Literally. Subhanallah. Yani, she won her husband's heart. Whatever she wants, that happens. Right? And now, you know, sometimes I go to her and I'm like, how did you manage to cook this food? In like 30 minutes. Like five dishes. She's like, I'm used to it. I've done it many times before. And it only comes with practice, right? Looking after a big family, doing so much work in the community, and then at the same time, looking after the house also and doing so many things. It's not that some people are just, they have superpowers. She's a superwoman. No, this quwa, you know, it comes with experience with difficulty. It doesn't come easily. So, Musa alayhi salam, he is forced to become a shepherd over here because what was he gonna do later on? He had to look after Bani Israel. He had to go face Firaun. That was not easy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trained him. And remember that every prophet was also a... Were you going to say that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I remember in Syria when we were learning about how the Prophet ﷺ had also been a shepherd at one point. Um, Sister Maryam was telling us about the many benefits of being a shepherd. Like, there's just so many that it's like, like I want to be one too, you know? Like. <laughs> okay, so now you tell me, all of you, what are the benefits of being a shepherd? Okay, go ahead. Um, patience. Patience. Because you can't exactly instruct the sheep, right? Come on, let's go. You can't order them around. You can give a thousand orders and obviously they will be as if they didn't hear anything. Right? So patience. What else? It teaches you to be gentle but firm. Yes, it teaches you to be gentle and at the same time firm. Right? Because can you smack the sheep? Because they're they're not listening to you? Well, if you smack them, you're going to lose a sheep. Right? It's going to be fractured or something. There's going to be some problem in the sheep which is going to affect you. Go ahead. Teaches you consistency. Oh my God. You can't take a break. Right? What else does it teach you? Yes, it teaches you farsightedness. Right? And also to look past your needs. That you're tired, you just want to sit and collapse in one place and take it easy. But the sheep are running away. So you have to get up and, and take care of them. Right? And it also teaches you bravery. Bravery. I mean, you have to deal with Wild animals sometimes to protect your sheep, to protect your herd. So, bravery. Bravery, you can say. And a determination also. Yeah, determination. Right? And it was at the top of the mountain. Yeah. That you will see, for example, sheep, they go up and around the mountains and, you know, they walk so much, they'll keep running here and there. And the shepherd has to consistently keep an eye on the sheep. And not just keep an eye, but also keep up with them. Right? So forces him you know, to not quit. So there's many benefits. Also one thing we see is that Musa salam, I mean, technically he could have been made a shepherd in Egypt also. Right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him out of Egypt, put him in Madian, in a different place. Why? Is there any benefit in moving out of your comfort zone, going to a new place, traveling? Is there any benefit in that? There's a lot of benefit. Because the world that we know of, 
right? The place that we live in, sometimes we think that this is how things are always. But when you go out of there to a different place, you see that things are done differently also. There's so much you learn through travel, right? Just the other day I was reading this article about a woman who had embraced Islam from Australia, a journalist who, she was raised in Australia and in, in a small town and she said, all I knew about Islam was basically what you hear in the news, right? And she had to go to Malaysia for some internship and she said, when I got there, I saw that Muslims are very different. Very different. Right? So this is a reality that in your comfort zone, the place that you're used to, you understand things one way, but when you go out of there, as you grow in your experience, you grow in your knowledge. You grow in your understanding. Right? The more well-traveled a person is, the more good they are in the work that they do. And this is why Imam al-Shafiri, he said, in travel there are five benefits. First of all, relief of adversity. Relief from adversity. When you travel, the problems that you're facing at home, you're relieved from them. Are you? Isn't it that sometimes you're at home and you're feeling like uncomfortable and you're like, I have to go biking, I have to go walking right now. Right? So you just leave your room, which is a total mess. You leave your kitchen, which is a total mess. And you forget about the problems at home. And you go for a nice walk. Right? Or a nice bike ride or whatever it is. So, and you come back home, relaxed. So relief from adversity. Secondly, earning of livelihood. When you travel, you earn livelihood. You earn money. You earn something. Well, some people might say that today you lose a lot of money when you travel. No, you also meet lots of people. You gain in your experience, right? You make new connections. You learn about more opportunities, which could be a door to more livelihood, more income. Thirdly, knowledge. Knowledge. When you travel, you learn. Right? Like for example, if you just go to Montreal, for example, you drive from here to Montreal. Every sign is in what language? French. French. So you're forced to read. Aren't you? You're forced to read. And then you're reading funny, and then people laugh at you and they correct you. Right? Or they laugh with you because they don't know it either. So... What happens? It forces you to become more familiar with a different language. Knowledge. Right? You learn about how people eat. Also, another benefit is etiquettes. You learn adab. And also, noble companionship. You know, because when you travel with other people, with different people, for example, you could be traveling alone, but if you happen to be on the plane sitting next to another person, right? I mean, you learn something from them. It's possible. So anyway, there is benefit in travel. But not at a time when you're supposed to be studying. And you take five weeks off, and you're gone, and by the time you come back, you don't even know what juz you're on, what surah it is. You even forget the meaning of ala and min, because you didn't get to review your translation for the past five weeks. Hmm? Anyway. Ayah number 29. فَلَمَّا then when قَضَى He completed Musa, Musa alayhi salam al-ajala The term When Musa alayhi salam completed the term That he agreed upon And the father had basically given him an option Eight years or ten years It's totally up to you Ibn Abbas anhu When he was asked about Which of the two terms Is it that Musa alayhi salam fulfilled He said it was the longer of the two so فَلَمَّا قَضَى مُوسَى الْأَجَلَ 
when he had completed his ten years in Madian, Wasara and he traveled. Sara from Sayr, Sin Ya Ra, Sara Yasiru, to travel. And he traveled bi ahlihi with his family. Where was he going? Where was he traveling? Somewhere, someplace. And this shows that Musa السلام, he was quite adventurous. He wasn't just going to stay in a place forever and ever. Okay, he was going to move to something that was better. Being a shepherd, having a house, family, everything is very nice. But then you have to do something more in your life. Right? And notice that he doesn't leave his family. Wasara bi ahlihi. He traveled with his family. Because now he wasn't single, right? He had a wife. So he traveled with his family. He took the family along with him. Many Mufassirun, they say that he was traveling back to Egypt. Because now it had been 10 years, and he was hoping that he could go somehow and meet his family. Allahu A'lam, whether he was going there or someplace else, but he was traveling to someplace. What happened when he was traveling? Anasa. He perceived from uns, Hamza seen, and we have done this word earlier, to perceive something with one's senses, but to also find it comfortable, meaning not frightening. So he sensed, min janibi, from side, meaning on side, of at-turi, of the mount. So it means that there were mountains in this area, and this particular mount that he was passing by, he sensed on its side, meaning on one side of it, Naran, a fire. Notice something that it was only Musa alayhi who sensed the fire, who perceived it. Okay? His family did not. And by the way, the word ahl is used for family and it's also used specifically for wife. So it's quite possible that it was just his wife with him and it's also possible that there was some other family members also. So, Anasa min janibi turi nara. When he sensed that fire, Qala, he said, لِأَهْلِهِ to his family or to his wife, Um kuthu, you stay. Meaning stay here, from Makatha, to remain. Stay here, in me, indeed I, anastunara, I have perceived a fire. So let me go there, and see what that is. لَعَلِّي, perhaps I, atikum I will come to you, meaning I will bring to you, minha from it, meaning from that fire, بِخَبَرٍ, with some news. Because if there is a fire up on the mountain, that means there must be people over there. Right? And if there are people over there, I can go to them and I can ask them about information. What information do you need when you're traveling? Why do you put the news on when you're driving? Traffic. Isn't it? Right? So, because that is relevant to us. What was the information that Musa needed? About where to go. Right? So he said, perhaps I can get some information from there. Or if that doesn't happen, if the people over there are not able to help me, then at least I can return with a jadwa. Jadwa, burning wood, smoldering coal. Jadwa from the root letters jim, dal, wal. Jadwa is basically used for a piece of wood or coal that is burning, but there isn't any flame on it. You understand? Have you ever seen colds? You better have the summer. Okay? So, a colds, what you do is that you light them on fire, there's flame, and the fire goes out, there's no more flame, but the colds are still burning. Right? So, he said that I will return with a jadwa min a nar of fire, 
لَعَلَّكُمْ تَصْطَلُونَ So that you may warm yourselves. So it seems as if this was in the night, or at least it was somewhat dark, because you can't notice a fire from a distance in the middle of the day when it's bright in the desert. And also it shows that it, it was cold. Okay? Again, what do we see about Musa salam over here? Is he worried about himself? Who is he worried about? His family. He doesn't care about his own discomfort. He is concerned about the comfort of his family. He can bear the walk to the mountain and the hike up the mountain in the darkness, in the cold. And I'm sure it was windy also because when it's cold by a mountain, what do you expect there? Wind also. Right? He can tolerate all of that, but he doesn't want his family to feel cold. He is preferring the warmth of his family over his own discomfort. This is a leader. This is why Allah chose him, Musa a.s. Because every now and then we see that he is outward focused. He's not focused on himself, rather he is outward focused. He's focused on others. Others in the sense that he's concerned about their welfare, their comfort, their situation, what they need. When it comes to two people who are fighting, he doesn't think, oh, I better save myself. When he sees two people fighting again the next day, he had repented from his mistake, right? But again, he stepped in, not to participate in the fight, but to stop the fight. Right? Then he sees two women, he helps them also. He accepts the marriage also. In that also he's giving. Outward focused. He's not focused upon himself, he's focused on helping other people. And this is what makes a leader, a good leader. This is what makes a leader impactful. When he's concerned about other people. فَلَمَّا then when أَتَاهَا He came to it. When Musa salam came to it, the fire, Nudiya, he was called. Min from shati'i, side. Which side? Side of what? Al-wadi, of the valley. Which side of the valley? Al-aymani, the right side, the right one. So shati'i, side, of what? Of al-wadi, of the valley. Al-aymani, the right one. Meaning the right side of the valley. Alright? Now the word shati is from the root letters shin, ta, hamza, and shati is used for one side of the two sides of something. Okay? So for example, your book, it has two sides, right? So one side of it is shati. A mountain, when you're looking at it, it has two sides, right? Right side, left side, when you're looking at it. So shati is uh, one side of the two sides of something, alright? And wadi, wadi is valley. And Al-Ayman. Ayman, from the root letters Yamim Noon, Ayman is one on the right, and Ayman is also understood as one that is Mubarak, one that is blessed. So Ayman is a very common name, right? It doesn't just mean right. Right as an opposite of left. Okay? Ayman also means blessed. Okay? Fi'in. Al-Buqa'ati. The spot, the site. That was Al-Mubarakati. The blessed one. Buqa from the root letters Baqaf Ain. Buqa means Qit'atul Ard. A piece of land. In particular, a small one. Spot, site. From the same root as the word Baqir. Baqir is what? Come on. 
What is Baqir? The graveyard in Medina. Alright? So it's a piece of land. Alright? Okay. So let's go back to the beginning of the ayah. فَلَمَّا أَتَاهَا When he came to it. Meaning, the fire, the mountain. When he reached there, Nudia, he was called out. Meaning he heard a voice calling him. And where was the sound coming from? From شَاطِئِ الْوَادِ الْأَيْمَنِ From the right side of the valley. Alright? And in particular, the sound was coming from فِي mubaraka, From a spot that was blessed. What was in that spot? مِنَ shajara From the tree. So this means there was a tree, alright, in a blessed spot on the right side of the valley. Not the left side, rather the right side. Alright? And it was the tree that had fire in it. As we learn from other places in the Qur'an also. So it was a tree that had fire in it, and the sound was coming from there. It was this fire on the tree that Musa saw from the distance. And it was this fire on the tree that attracted him, because it was a very unique fire, very different fire. And it almost, you know, the word anasa is used. So Musa he felt very comfortable looking at it. He didn't feel afraid at all. And what was it that he heard? On that, Ya Musa, O Musa, Inni ana Allahu Rabbul Alameen. Inni, indeed I, ana Allah, I am Allah Rabbul Alameen, Lord of the worlds. Meaning the one whom you hear, the one who is addressing you, is Allah, the Lord, the Master, the Creator, the owner of the entire existence. Just imagine the shock that Musa must have, you know, experienced on hearing that. And what an honor Musa is given over here, that Allah directly speaks to Musa وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا Allah spoke to Musa, a complete conversation. And then what happened? وَأَنْ and that أَلْقِ عَصَاكَ Alqi, throw asaka your staff. Now the details of the entire conversation are not given over here because there are other details that we learn about from other places in the Quran. Okay? So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also ordered Musa salam to throw his staff. فَلَمَّا then when رَآهَا he saw it, meaning Musa salam saw his staff, تَهْتَزُّ shaking, moving. تَهْتَزُّ هَذَيْزَيْ وَهُزِّي إِلَيْكِ We learned about Maryam shaking the tree, right? So tahtazu meaning it was it was shaking, it was quivering. The stick that was still inanimate, now it was moving. Ka'annaha as if it was Jannun a snake. Musa when he saw his stick moving as if it was a snake and it had actually turned into a snake, what was his reaction? Instant reaction. Fight or flight. Over here it was flight. Okay, walla mudbiran. Walla, he turned mudbiran, showing his back. Mudbir, from dubur, to show one's back, meaning to turn around. So basically, Musa alaihissalam turned around and he just ran. And when he ran, walam yuqib, walam, and he and did not yuqib, he returned. Yuqib ain qafba from the word taqib. Taqib is to pursue, to follow. Meaning he did not pursue the snake, he did not follow what he had left. In other words, he didn't even look back. 
He didn't even look back. What does this show? That Musa a.s. where he was very قوي, he was very strong, he was also scared of snakes. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Musa a.s. was so frightened, that one second he's talking to Allah Azzawajal, and the second moment he sees a snake, and he runs away. He runs away. Did you want to say something? Okay. Walla, walla means he turned. Okay? Mudbir is further emphasizing that he didn't just turn. He turned like showing his back, fleeing, running away. Walam yu'aqib, and when he was running away, he didn't even return. Meaning he didn't even look back. This is how he fled. And this is just describing how Quickly Musa ran, and how terrified he was. Okay? Just think about it, that a person, you know, when you see something frightening in front of you, one is that you just take a step back, okay? And the other is that you turn around, and the other is that you completely turn around, and then you don't just turn around, you run away. And when you run away, you don't even look back. So Musa is just running, 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 as far as possible from the snake. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called out. He said, Ya Musa, O Musa, Aqbil, Aqbil, approach. And this is so empowering. Allah says, Aqbil, from Iqbal, Qaf, Balam. And Iqbal is to come forward while facing something. So Musa a.s. is told, Aqbil, return, come back, advance, wala takhaf. And do not fear. Meaning, face your fears. Do not run away from them, rather face them. And realize that, إِنَّكَ indeed you, مِنَ الْآمِنِينَ مِنْ from الْآمِنِينَ Those who are secure. You are of those who are given aman. Aman as in security. You are safe from what frightens you. The snake will not be able to harm you. So come back and face your fears. If you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have given this miracle to Musa without Musa you know, becoming so fearful, becoming so afraid. Isn't it? Like for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have told Musa okay, when you throw your staff, it's going to turn into a snake. Don't worry, it's not going to hurt you. Okay? Just grab it. And then Musa could have been ordered to throw the snake. Isn't it? But Musa was not prepared. He was just told, throw your staff. And then what was unexpected came. Right? Why is Musa made to experience this fear? Why? Okay. To show that Allah will protect him. Okay. Why else? Okay. To prepare him for what was coming ahead. Okay. Yes, that something similar was going to happen in the future. Right? Yes? To get him out of his comfort zone. Go ahead. Yes. The best way to learn something is through experience. Experience. Musa salam could have been informed. Such and such will happen. Allah did not inform him. Right? 
everything came as a surprise because this let Musa alayhi experience fear and then in that fear Allah taught him how to overcome that fear how to face that fear you understand because there are many things which in principle we know in theory we know but unless and until we experience it we don't really know it right experience teaches you something that information alone cannot teach you somebody was telling me a story about uh, this man who was given this nobel prize for something in physics that he did i can't remember his name but this man who was given the nobel prize he had to go around different places giving a speech all right and he gave the exact same speech everywhere he went exact same thing and everywhere he went his chauffeur went along with him right he's the one who drove him so when he had to give his speech in munich in germany his chauffeur said you know i know your speech let me give it and this is a true story okay he said i'll give the speech let's see what happens so the guy's like okay fine sure so what happens the chauffeur goes up on the stage and he gives the entire speech and he does it really well right because he's memorized the entire speech but then what happens that somebody asks a question okay so now the chauffeur intelligent guy okay he says i didn't know people in munich were so intelligent this question is so easy that even my chauffeur can answer it okay so then the chauffeur who's the actual nobel prize winner he gives the answer now it shows the intelligence of the chauffeur right smart guy but this also teaches us that the chauffeur had information right but he didn't have the knowledge and the experience of the nobel prize winner the chauffeur could deliver the speech verbatim exactly as it was but he couldn't answer a question because he didn't have that same level of knowledge and experience you understand so having information alone is not enough you understand you have to have the experience when you've gone through something when you've gone through the journey yourself when you have experienced the harshness the bitterness the difficulties that teaches you what memorizing a speech will not teach you what reading a book alone will not teach you real life real experience teaches you so musa alayhisalam is not just given information over here don't fear you are safe no allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes him afraid and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells musa alayhisalam face your fear aqbil wala takhaf and realize that innaka minal aminin you are of those who who are secure allah has given you security nothing will harm you and this also teaches us one more thing that It's very easy to run away from things that frighten us. Isn't it? You're afraid of a snake, just avoid it. Run away. You're afraid of Firaun, just avoid him. Run away. That's what Musa alayhisam had done so far, right? He had run away from Firaun. Didn't he? He had fled from Egypt. But now he had to go face the snake. He had to go face Firaun. He had to go and face his fears. because you know there's there's two ways of living one is that you just go through life 
You just go through life. Whatever happens, happens. And the other is that you accomplish something. And to accomplish something, you have to face your fears. You have to overcome them. It's not going to be an easy journey, but at the end you will have something. Musa salam could have lived the rest of his life as a shepherd in Madian, comfortably. You know, enjoying the fresh milk every day, nice, fresh, you know, good meat, whatever it is. He could have enjoyed it. But there was something more that he had to accomplish in his life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him another miracle. Usluk, insert, seen lam kaf. Insert yadaka, your hand, fi jaybik, into your jayb. What is jayb? The upper opening of the shirt. Okay? So insert your hand, meaning put your hand into the upper opening of your shirt. Takhruj, it will come out bayla, white. Min ghayri su, without any su, without any disease. Meaning, it'll be glowing, and you won't experience any pain, any burning. This is not discoloration. This is a miracle. So the glowing hand, this was another miracle that Musa was given. Wabmum. And now, how to stay calm in a situation where Musa was afraid? How to stay calm? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him that also. Wabmum. And draw in from the word bum, dad, meem, meem, bum. Bum is to join two or more things. Okay? To collect, to unite, bring together. So draw in, ilayka, to yourself, janahaka, your arm. Now janah literally means wing. Right? But for a human being, janah basically means the entire arm. Okay? So from the shoulder down to the hand. Okay? So, وَقْنُمْ إِلَيْكَ جَنَاحَكَ Join to yourself your arm. مِنَ الرَّحْبِ From fear. Meaning, when you are afraid, and you want to get out of that fear, when you want to get rid of that fear, what should you do? Draw your hand to yourself. Join your hand to yourself. What is meant by this? Some scholars have said it means ilayka meaning ila sadrika. Okay? That put your hand on your chest. Draw your entire arm to yourself. So all your upper arm, your lower arm, your hand, everything should be touching you. Okay? So for example, when we pray salah, right? When we pray salah, where do we put our hands? On our chest. You know, our arms are joined with our body. They're not separate. Right? So in order to avert fear, do this. And this is really helpful. When you are afraid, and you put your hands on your chest, you draw your arms in, it really calms you. It really calms you. It's like your heart is beating, it's as if it's gonna pop out of your chest somehow, and you just put your hand on it, calm down. Right? Calm down. So Musa is taught, He's given a technique over here of how to overcome his fear, how to get rid of fear. Fadanika. So these are two. And Dhanika is the dual of Dhalika. Interesting. Earlier we learned Hataini. Alright, now we're learning Dhanika. Dhalika is used for singular. Dhanika is used for dual. And what's the plural? Come on. What's the plural of Dhalika? Dhalika means that. So the plural of that would be those. What is those in Arabic? Ulaika. Okay? Dhalika, Dhanika, Ulaika. 
I think you guys did this. Did you? Did you memorize this table? Ever? لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله Grammar. Grammar, grammar. Have to do grammar. Grammar is necessary. Otherwise, it will be difficult. How about after seerah? Yeah? Inshallah. Nobody miss grammar then. Okay? Anyway. So, فَذَانِكَ burhanani. These two are burhanani. Two proofs. And look at the word burhan. Burhan is not just any proof. Burhan is basically used for something that's glowing, shining. So these are clear proofs. Which two are clear proofs? Clear miracles that Musa a.s. has given over here. The staff and the glowing hand. Alright? And the, and the joining of the hand to his body, that was to overcome his fear. So, فَذَانِكَ بُرْهَانَانِ مِنْ رَبِّكَ فَمْ يُرْ لَوْرْدِ إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَئِهِ To Fir'aun and his, and his people, his chiefs, his elite. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ Indeed, they have been a people who are defiantly disobedient. They must be stopped. So you have to go with these miracles. So Musa a.s. is equipped with these miracles and the training he is given was about how to deal with fear. Because that was basically his challenge. Right? Because he had to go face Fir'aun. And he's taught that instead of running away from your fear, face it and keep calm by placing hands on the chest, drawing arms close to the body. And we see that in salah we do this and the Prophet ﷺ, when he would go to sleep at night, he would recite the mu'awwidat and he would blow on his hand and wipe on his body. Right? Likewise, when he would sleep, he would place his hand under his cheek. Right? Because there is something, when you hold yourself together, when you touch yourself, when you keep your hands close to yourself, it makes you feel secure. Right? Qala, Musa salam. he said, Rabbi inni, O my Lord, indeed I, qataltu minhum nafsan, I killed from among them a person. I killed a person of Fir'aun's men. فَأَخَافُ so I fear أَنْ يَقْتُلُونِي that they will kill me. I'm afraid that they're gonna kill me. Musa a.s. is afraid, still afraid. Fear is natural. Even though he was qawi, he is still afraid. Because every person has their own fears. And sometimes, you know, the fear and the strength, they don't align, it seems. That how is it possible that a person who is so strong is also afraid of a snake, for instance? How? You know, you should be confident. And confident means that you shouldn't have any fears. It's okay to have fears. And we have to acknowledge, we have to accept the strengths that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and the weaknesses that we find in ourselves. We have to acknowledge both our strengths and our weaknesses. If we don't acknowledge our strengths, if we don't accept them, if we don't embrace them, because we're being too modest and humble, then that is going to prevent us from, from going far in life. And at the same time, if we don't accept our weaknesses, then that is also going to prevent us from going far in life. How are we going to improve if we don't accept our weaknesses? So Musa salam he says, فَأَخَافُوا أَنْ يَقْتُلُونَ I'm afraid. وَأَخِي هَارُونَ And he says, my brother Harun, هُوَ he is أَفْصَحُ More eloquent مِنِّي than me لِسَانًا in tongue, meaning in speech. He's more eloquent in speech than me. أَفْصَحُ From the root letters, فَاسْصَادْحَ Have you heard of the word فُصْحَ? Fusha Arabic, what is that Arabic? Which form of Arabic is it? Classic, right? Pure Arabic, which is not affected by any passage of time or 
culture and whatnot, right? Like for example, in certain dialects of Arabic now, you know, when they're speaking, you don't even feel that it's Arabic, right? Like jim is turned into a ga, ta, sin, dal, all these letters, they are, you know, changed. It doesn't even sound like Arabic. Right here you are reading Qur'an and reading hadith and you think, I think I know some Arabic. And when you hear an Arab talk, you're like, what on earth did you say? I couldn't even catch one word. Because it's not fusha. Alright? Fusha is pure Arabic. And there are people who speak that. Okay? Anyway, afsahu fasaha. Fasaha is basically to clean and purify something from any mixture. Alright? Fasaha laban. Laban is milk. Fasaha to remove cream from milk. To remove that fat that rises to the top. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but generally, this is how milk is supposed to be. That when you get milk, pure milk, raw milk, what you find on top of it is a whole lot of cream. Alright? So generally people remove it to make it 3% or 2% or whatever it is. So, فَصَحَ laban To remove cream from milk. So to purify it. When this word is used for speech... It is to remove unnecessary words, extra words from it. This is why fasaha is used for eloquence, clear expression, on point, concise, precise speech. So he said that Harun is more eloquent than me in speech. فَأَرْسِلْهُ مَعِي So Allah send him with me. رِدْءًا As a support. رِدْ رَادَ hamza Is something from which support is taken. Like for example somebody's hand or a stick that you have. It's always with you but it's under you. Okay? It's not a co-equal. So send Harun as a support for me who will yusaddiquni, who will confirm me. Inni akhafu an yukadhibun because indeed I fear that they are going to deny me. So Musa salam is saying over here that I want a helper. I want a helper who is eloquent in speech, who is going to do my tasdiq. My tasdiq as in he will be able to clarify my point further if I am unable to do so. Meaning if I'm not able to express myself clearly, he will help me over there. He will verify me in my speech. So I will be confident then about what I'm saying. Because I'm afraid that the people are going to deny me. Now Musa knew that this was not a one-man show. Right? Going to Fir'aun, talking to Fir'aun was not a one-person job. Even though he's been given this honor, he understands that he cannot do it alone. So he asks Allah for a supporter. Right? Because help is needed. Musa is qawi. But at the same time, he knows that he needs supporters. Qala, Allah said, Sana shuddu, we will strengthen. Sheen dal dal, shadd, to strengthen. We will strengthen adudaka, your arm. Abud is used for upper arm. Okay? And basically, what is meant over here is that we are going to provide strength to you. Be akhika through your brother. Meaning your dua is responded to. وَنَجْعَلُوا And we will make lakuma for both of you sultanan supremacy. Sultan is used for authority, power, proof. Over here it gives the meaning of supremacy. Meaning, we shall give you sultan such supremacy that Fir'aun and his people, فَلَا يَصِلُونَ إِلَيْكُمَا They will not be able to reach you. يَصِلُونَ from وَصَلَ وَصَلَ to join. So they will not be able to reach you. وَصَلَ is to connect actually. So they will not be able to connect with you, meaning they will not be able to reach you. 
In other words, they won't be able to harm you. You know, it's amazing. Musa a.s., Harun a.s., two brothers. Look at their situation, look at their background. They're coming to face Fir'aun. Fir'aun could have easily murdered them. Couldn't he? But was he able to? No, he wasn't. Because Allah gave Musa a.s. and Harun a.s. such sultan, such supremacy, that Fir'aun was never able to harm them. And this is something that the prophets were given. Just like the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, I mean, people could have killed him, isn't it? But they weren't able to. What prevented them? It was his tribe. It was not just his tribe, it was his uncle. And not just that, he himself. Even though Abu Jahl, like for example, at one instance we learned that the Prophet ﷺ was praying, salah, and he was in sajda, and Abu Jahl came forward in order to step on the Prophet ﷺ's head. Right? But what happened? As he was approaching him, all of a sudden he started retreating, running away, frightened. So Allah protected the Prophet ﷺ, and likewise He also protected Musa ﷺ and Harun ﷺ. بِآيَاتِنَا Allah says, with our ayat, meaning the miracles that we have given you, أَنْتُمَا Both of you too, وَمَنِ اتَّبَعَكُمَا And whoever follows you too, even though they're the slave class, you shall be al-ghalibun, the predominant, the victors. You shall be victorious through what? Money? Money? Look at the ayah. What is it that will be a, a cause of victory? Ayat. Miracles. What do we see over here in this ayah? That it was through ayat that they were given protection that they were given victory. And it is through the ayat that the Prophet ﷺ was also given victory. And it is only through the ayat of the Qur'an that we shall also be given victory. We shall be given strength in whatever challenge we're facing in our lives. So the question is, how strong is my iman and my amal when it comes to Allah's ayat? Also we see in this ayat that Musa ﷺ, he's not going alone. Because one alone is weak. And two together are much stronger. Right? The Prophet ﷺ also, he had, for example, Abu Bakr as-siddiq to support him. And Musa ﷺ also asks for Harun to be his siddiq in a way. Yusaddiquni, he will confirm me. Recitation. فَلَمَّا قَضَى مُوسَى الْأَجَلَ وَسَارَ بِأَهْلِهِ آنَسَ مِن جَانِبِ الطُّورِ نَارًا قَالَ لِأَهْلِهِمْ كُثُوا قَالَ لِأَهْلِهِمْ كُثُوا إِنِّي آنَسْتُ نَارًا لَعَلِّي آتِيكُمْ مِنْهَا لَعَلِّي آتِيكُمْ مِنْهَا بِخَبَرٍ أَوْ جَذْوَةٍ مِنَ النَّارِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَصْطَلُونَ فَلَمَّا أَتَاهَا نُودِيَ مِنْ شَاطِئِ الْوَادِ الْأَيْمَنِ فِي الْبُقَعَةِ الْمُبَارَكَةِ مِنَ الشَّجَرَةِ أَيَّا مُوسَى أَيَّا مُوسَى إِنِّي أَنَا اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ 